Good morning, folks. I'm Alistair Bruce. I'm the minister here in Ellen Parish Church. Let's pray together. Loving God, we ask that you speak to us in these moments, that we open our hearts to hear what it is that you want to say to us this morning. May the words of Scripture, the words I speak the words that Christine comes to say, be planted into our hearts. We pray your Holy Spirit be with Christine as she comes up um, to chat to us in a wee while. Thank you for um, the gifts that you've placed in her heart. Loving God, we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, 1968 was one of the most turbulent years um, of the 20th century, and certainly in the history of the Western world. Tensions were high in North and South Korea. A U.S. intelligence vessel had been captured. The Czech Republic, there was a protest known as the Prague Spring. In April of that year, Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated Students from France and Colombia and West Germany and Mexico and Italy were protesting. And Senator Robert Kennedy, the brother of President John F. Kennedy, was assassinated. It's the year that athletes at the Summer Olympics held up their hands in protest um, of racial discrimination. And it was the first time that human beings had orbited another world. Astronauts Frank Borman, Jim Lovell, and Bill Anders were the crew of the Apollo 8 mission. On, um, on, on the 21st of December 1968 at 6.31 in the morning, their capsule took off from the Earth to orbit the moon 10 times and come back down to Earth, arguably changing history um, completely. Now, the Apollo 8 uh, moon mission was contentious, to say the least. The giant rocket that took the capsule up into space was called Saturn V, and it was the only launcher capable of doing this. There was nothing else in the world that could do this, except it was temperamental. It had been tested twice, and twice it didn't really work very well. In 1967, two, three astronauts were killed when their command module went on fire. And so to take a command module that was basically identical to the one that had gone on fire and put it on top of a rocket that was temperamental seemed completely bonkers. What's more, NASA hadn't intended to send anybody into space that year. They, didn't, they weren't going to launch a mission in 1968, but they had heard through intelligence, which turns out to have been incorrect, that the Russians had planned to put a man on the moon or a person on the moon. And so thinking about that, wanting to be the first ones to get there, with the end of the decade approaching when John F. Kennedy had said that he was going to put a man on the moon by the end of the decade, with all of this approaching, the pressure was to Put, to take these three astronauts out into space. So on that December morning, 
the 360-foot Saturn V rocket, the most powerful and tallest rocket ever built at that time, took off and took three human beings to another world. And Moro Lindbergh, who is the writer and wife of aviator Charles Lindbergh, described it saying, the earth shakes, cars rattle, and vibrations beat in the chest. Thankfully, the rocket performed perfectly. Eventually, Apollo 8 arrived in its orbit around the moon. The astronauts had been asked to say something, knowing that they were going to be in space over Christmas time. They were asked to say something back to the people on Earth. And so they were told that on Christmas Eve, they would probably have the largest audience that had ever heard a human voice in history. And their instructions were only to say something appropriate. This is the video broadcast. We are now approaching uh, lunar sunrise, and uh, for all the people back on Earth, the crew of Apollo 8 has a message that we would like to send to you. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good, and divided the light from the darkness. And God called the light day. And the darkness he called night, and the evening and the morning were the first day. And God said, Let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. And God made the firmament, and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament. And it was so. And God called the firmament heaven, and the evening and the morning were the second day. Somehow in these life-changing moments, this history-changing moment, the words of Scripture, these first 10 words of the Bible, these words that describe God's creation, somehow these are the words that these three astronauts chose to speak. There's something about speaking God's words of creation that unify the world, that unify the earth, that bring us together, that give us some kind of sense of transcendence. The Apollo 8 mission was also famous for one more thing, and it's this photo, this photo that Bill Anders took. Uh, it'll come up in a wee second, I'm sure. 
photo that Bill Anders took coming out of the lunar orbit. So the, the pilot, um, who, was, who was Frank Borman, he, um, he spent the first four revolutions of the moon with the, with, the, with the module face down the way so they could capture pictures of the moon. And in order to kind of work out where they were, they pointed the module upwards and they saw this kind of blue orb coming into view and suddenly realized that this was the Earth. It was there that they spotted the blue and white blob on the horizon, and for the first time ever, humans saw and recorded their homeland from another world. Borman later said that it was the most beautiful, heart-catching sight of my life, one that sent a torrent of nostalgia, of sheer homesickness surging through me. It was the only thing in space that had any color to it. Everything else was either black or white, but not the Earth which had color. And Jim Lovell, who of course captained the Apollo 11 mission, described it as a grand oasis. This hastily snapped photo has become iconic. It arguably kick-started the modern ecological movement. And so there's something about this photo combined with the words of scripture and creation that's, that is spoken over the earth that inspired us to take care of our earth. Many have argued that it's only, only by seeing the earth from this perspective that we begin to see just how small and fragile and in need of God we are. It's only by seeing the earth from this perspective that we see how precious we are. The writer and poet T.S. Eliot summed it up well by saying, we shall not cease from exploration and the end of it all are, and the end of all our exploring, we will arrive where we started and know the place for the first time. Maybe we need to know our world for the first time again. Maybe we need to know our world for the first time again. Roz is going to come up and read some words from Scripture from uh, Psalm 8 as we reflect on that, Roz. Good morning. Our reading this morning is from Psalm 8, God's glory and man's dignity. O Lord, our Lord, your greatness is seen in all the world. Your praise reaches us to the heavens. It is sung by children and babies. You are safe and secure from all your enemies. You stop anyone who opposes you. When I look at the sky which you have made, at the moon and the stars which you set in their places, what is man that you think of him, mere man that you care for him? Yet you made him inferior only to yourself. You crowned him with glory and honor. You appointed him ruler over everything you made. You placed him over all creation, sheep and cattle and the wild animals too, the birds and the fish and the creatures in the seas. O Lord, our Lord, your greatness is seen in all the world. Thanks be to God for the reading of his holy word.
these words that Rose read say that human beings have dominion in some uh, uh, translations, it's translated dominion, some translations it's translated um, stewardship over the earth. Stewardship is a better translation of that. We are called to protect the earth. That is our first calling from way, way back at the start of creation. It seems that some of the most passionate, some of the most articulate people about, about how we treat our earth are young people. A couple of months ago, um, at, at a Gordon Presbytery meeting, Christine Mayer um, was asked to, uh, to speak. She is a member of Contour Parish Church. And what she said challenged and inspired Presbytery into looking to, to consider how we look after our world, challenged Presbytery to put that higher on our agenda, to make it more prominent. And what I thought she said at that, uh, at that meeting was so important that I thought rather than me trying to, uh, trying to explain it, I would ask Christine to come and speak for herself. So we're going to have a chat. So Christine, would you like to come up? Please welcome Christine Mayer to the front of the church. Grab. Yes, you can take Hello, your mask, mask off. Hello. Welcome. Hello. I will find... Uh, we have got questions. I will find them. Uh, uh, yes, uh, I've got my notes as well. So yes, I'm not you. just looking on Instagram or anything. Um, so uh, I, I remember the first question, which is your, your accent is slightly different to, to North East. Can you tell us a little bit about where you, where you've, where you came from, where, uh, uh, what brings you to Scotland? All of yeah, that kind of stuff. so I'm from South Africa. And I moved here in nine, no, I moved here when I was nine in 2013, because um, my parents wanted to, I don't know. <laughs> um, some of the cultural differences, um, South Africa is quite rich in diversity. Um, there's 11 official languages. Wow. So, like, you'll meet all sorts of different cultures, foods, all sorts of different things. Um, there's also a huge economic gap, so we lived in quite a um, relatively modern house, I'd say. Um, but 10 minutes walk away, you'd find a house without running water and stuff. My goodness. So, big difference from here, I guess. Yeah, yeah, that's not something that we, we tend to find, yeah. uh, find over here. Um, so tell us a little bit about, about your faith. Have, have, you, uh, have you always grown up with faith? Uh, was there a point where faith kind of became real to you? Tell, tell us a wee bit about, uh, about all of that. Yeah, so I like how you say that when I first took my faith on as my own, because both my parents studied theology and my dad's a minister, so it's inevitable that I would have grown up with some sort of Christian upbringing. But I'd say I first um, started to really take it on as my own when I was about 13. One of our youth leaders um, started taking me to youth events, like PowerPoints, Diamonds, and seeing other young Christians was really good to start um, learning about God personally. Yeah. Amazing. It's amazing um, having, uh, having other, other young Christians around you to, to, to see how Definitely. to, to kind of encourage your faith. And so can you tell us a wee bit about what it's like being a young Christian in Aberdeenshire? How, how is that for you? You're in, in six years, is that, that yes. right? Yep, yep. Uh, it's really nice. I love, our church is a slightly older church. Um, I love being able to um, 
interact with people who many of my friends would never have the opportunity to, and learning from more experienced people, more experienced Christians is great. Yeah. Uh, what are some of the big issues for young Christians growing up, and what are you finding some of the issues are? Yes, yeah, so definitely kind of the opposite, the fact that there aren't many young people in my church or nearby, so speaking about faith with other young people can be challenging. So that's why I love going to the youth events and stuff, to see other young Christians. Yeah, so bring, bringing people, exactly. people together and be able to have that, yes. that conversation with folks of your own, exactly. own age. Yeah. And when you came to, came to Presbytery, you, you, uh, you kind of highlighted a report that had been written um, by Tear Fund, and the, and the report was called Burning Down the House, and you highlighted it at Presbytery, and one of the things that you, that you talked about was it says that nine out of ten young people are concerned about the climate crisis. Why, why is this such a big issue for young, young Christians? Yes, yeah, so I think because we're young, young people always, they want change um, from any generation, not just ours. Um, I also feel our generation is a lot more conscious just because of social media and stuff. We're much more aware, aware of stuff and we um, want to do something about it. And the fact that we're Christians means that we can see this as a social justice issue. We can see our brothers and sisters are suffering from the climate crisis because of the way the West is abusing the planet and we want to do something about it. So I'd say that's why we're so passionate about it. Yeah. And have you, you uh, experienced uh, differences between here and, and, and friends, presumably, that you still have back in South Africa? What, what, are, are there differences? What, what, what's your kind of, kind of feeling with that? Um, I guess in South Africa, it, climate change might be a bit more real. Okay. In, I think it was 2018, I think, they had, um, had like a drought was the largest man-made um, drought and like my family um, had to, they had a certain amount of water they could live on each day and it was quite strict, they had to buy water from the shops and stuff. Yeah, so, so it becomes much more real when, yeah. when your, your everyday life is, is affected and, and impacted by it. Yes. Yeah. Um, and the Burning Down the House report also said that only one out of ten young people think that their churches are doing enough about the climate um, crisis. Now, you're a member at Kintore Parish Church. Um, is it true for your church? Um, are you, are you um, nagging your dad to, uh, <laughs> to do stuff about it? What's, uh, what, what's your kind of thoughts about, about that? Yes, so earlier this year, um, we had a litter-picking fundraiser. And this has sparked us to create an eco-group called um, Sustainable Contour. And through this, we have been able to implement um, um, different projects within our community uh, to do with climate change. So we've put litter picks throughout the village so people can litter pick while they're walking. We've had events to raise awareness of the issue. And this has all been, the core has been the church. So. I think our church has definitely been very supportive. Of course, we can do more, but yeah, that's, yeah. yeah. Um, they have been quite supportive, and it's yes. been qu quite nice being able to have that. Yeah, yeah. So that is that sort of starting with a core and then and then uh, working out and, exactly. and inspiring the community. Yeah, we start. There's quite a small group of us who are on the actual sustainable Kintour team, 
but we're able to implement projects, people get involved in, in those projects, they're much more likely to get involved in an individual project than have meetings every few weeks. Yeah. Yeah. And, and do you think that the um, that the national church is doing doing enough about it? What's what's your kind of feelings to do with that? Um, so there's definitely uh, the Church of Scotland have put out some resources in the run up to COP26. Uh, I wouldn't say it's very high on the agenda, but it is out there. So they're definitely wanting moving in the right direction. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. Comforting to, to hear yes. that uh, moving in the right direction, yeah. but it sounds like like we need to move it up the agenda yes. um, a bit a bit more. Um, what what do you think local churches need to be doing about this? What's what 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 should we be what should we be doing? Um, so I said to think global and act local. Mm -hmm. So we can pray about other countries. Um, and we can support other countries. I hear you guys um, support Rwanda. Yeah, so you can pray yeah. about any climate issues there. Um, but it's also important to show Christians or people here in Scotland that Christians um, support climate change by implementing change here. So, for example, with Sustainable Kintour, we've put the litter pickers throughout the village. Um, we're having events during COP26 and involving the community to show that Christians care about these issues. Yeah, so raising awareness is is, is a big a big thing, and and, and yes. I suppose you have to do that in, in in partnership with doing taking action, but also also doing something that that, that raises that that yes. awareness. And what what would you like churches to be doing in the next kind of three to five years? What what do you think we should be be uh, doing? Yes, so yeah. definitely getting more involved in some of these issues. One of the, a very recent thing, um, Tier Fund is running a campaign called Take a Stand, which is an open letter to world leaders to take urgent action on the climate crisis. So I have a QR code you can put up somewhere if people want to use. Excellent, we can um, do that. So that's, that's a very recent thing. You can have maybe sermons on COP26. This sermon is great, yeah. speaking about the climate. Um, Longer term implementing change within your community would be great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Doing things like you've done in Contour, where mm -hmm. where you, you you kind of start with a core and, and try and influence influence the community and, yes. and the church through that. Um, are you hopeful about the future? What's, what 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 um, what do you think the world will be like? What are you hoping for? Do you do you think? Do you think that um, that things are going to get better or worse, or, or what's, what's your kind of kind of feeling? So I, I don't know. I kind of struggle with this question. <laughs> um, I'd say I mean, it's cheesy, but obviously, um, as Christians, Jesus will always be there, and that He's kind of our hope. Um, so there's always been crises in the world, like hundred years ago, in a hundred years' time. At the moment, our crisis is the climate crisis. And as you said earlier, as we're stewards of the planet, it's important that we do something about this. Um, I'm really hopeful for the COP26, um, the, the meetings there. Hopefully, world leaders will be listening to us because there has been a lot of talk about it. And hopefully, we'll move in the right direction. Yeah, yeah. So, again, taking these these things that that, uh, that happen, these kind of global things, and, and, and taking those recommendations from that and using those as, as yes. ways of, of, of helping. Yeah. Definitely. And can you project forward kind of 30, 50 years to, to where some of uh, uh, 
I, I wouldn't like to say how old some of them are, they'll, they'll lynch me, but uh, um, <laughs> are you able to project that, that far forward in, in, in kind of what your hopes are or what you would think? I mean, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful that we're um, able, that the changes we make will, uh, we'll, we're able to see a difference from the changes we make now yeah. um, in 30 years' time, that things don't keep getting mm -hmm. worse. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's lovely to, uh, to hear you talk about it and to, um, uh, and to hear your hope um, and, the, and the positivity, and, and, but also the passion of, of we actually need to do something, but, but you have hope that, uh, um, yes. that, that we can get there. And your faith clearly uh, influences, influences that. Thank you so much for sharing, no uh, sharing with you. us and for coming and, and doing that. Please thank say so thank you to Christine. <laughs> well done. So in reflection on what Christine has been saying, we're going to have a look at the uh, video that, uh, that came out with Burning Down the House, just um, to uh, let us know a little bit more about that. Dear leaders. 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 Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your commitment. With my generation. With my generation. The church makes such positive impacts in society. We make a difference. And that means we can make a difference to climate change. We are all part of God's perfect creation. So let's look after it. Let's look after it. Let's look after it. This is God's world we're looking after. We have a responsibility to look after the planet. That our God created so beautifully. God looked at his creation and he called it good. Personally, I can't help but feel guilty that we've mistreated and exploited it to such an extent that soon the damages will be irreversible. Please, please acknowledge that this is an issue. The church has such an important platform as an organization within society to speak out. Listen to Jesus's call for us all to lose the bonds of injustice and be stewards of the earth. Climate change is gonna affect us all. The poor people will be affected the most. Loving others and the poor is an important thing we are commanded to do. As part of this, we must act to protect the environment, as this massively affects lots of lives. We need to be doing so much more. It's time for the church to stand up as an example. Talk about it more. Pray about it. Try and stay positive. And trust God. Make practical steps as a church and encourage the congregation to engage practically. Pray for the planet and help do everything you can to stop climate change. Be bold and don't shy away from preaching on important topics. Challenge our parents to more care and less convenience. Step up. Step up. I haven't heard anything from you. We need to do something now. We have the opportunity and a God who is all powerful behind us. So why haven't we made a change yet. Climate change isn't a problem for yesterday and isn't a problem for tomorrow. It is a problem for right now and it needs to be addressed now. Being passive isn't an option. We need you to lead in this area. Let's start a movement to save God's creation. Please make changes and listen to us. Please listen to us because we want to change and are passionate about changing and reversing climate change. We want to help and we have good ideas. You need to give more opportunities to make a difference to climate change through the church. When the world looks back on the church in 200 years time, 
Will they think that the church helped stop climate change or that it was part of the problem? Will they view the church as a positive part of society and as a catalyst of change or negative and outdated? I hope that churches join the political and environmental fight against climate change and speak passionately about the issue. For the sake of the planet and for future generations, not just for Christians, but for everybody. If we all try to help, we could really make a difference. Please, do something. It's important. And I'd like you to lead the way. But if you don't? If you don't. If you don't. You don't. Then we will. We will. We will. We will. We will. incredible statistic to say that nine out of ten uh, young people think that churches should be doing something about it and only one out of ten think that their churches are doing enough. I think that is a massive challenge to every church in uh, in this land. We're going to sing um, a song, now we're going to continue our worship singing, a song that uh, you'll know the tune of, um, the words might be slightly more unfamiliar, it comes from um, uh, from an album called Doxicology that was, uh, that was an album that was put together by a group called Resound Worship, who, uh, who put together a, a CD of um, uh, songs to do with environmental theology. Um, you'll uh, say you'll know the tune. Uh, we did do it during lockdown, so you might you might have heard it already. Um, there's a little bit at the end of it that's that's uh, that's a bit different. Um, but uh, but see how you get on with the tune for that, um, and uh, the band will come up and lead us in that. So let's continue our worship singing together. Um, God, the Maker of the heavens. Sure, sir. 
Will you join me in prayer? God, we thank you for all the gifts that you have given us. And we dedicate these gifts that we have given back to your service, to your kingdom. Let them do good work and bless those who need them. Let us recognize the need in others and the need in ourselves. All good gifts around us are sent from heaven above. So we lift up our hearts to you, God, in praise and thanksgiving. As we count our blessings and acknowledge your goodness, our hearts go out to those who do not have and who are in need. We thank you for plentiful harvests and full refrigerators and ask that you supply the needs of those who are hungry. We thank you for jobs that provide for our families and supply the needs of our society and pray that you would care for those who have no work or the dignity and purpose that it can bring. We thank you for opportunities and choices, for meaning and challenges, and pray that you would give a sense of purpose to those who feel trapped. We thank you for family and friends who love us and care for us, and pray that you would befriend those who are alone. The abundance of the harvest is a symbol of the abundance of your love in our lives. May we live in a spirit of gratitude to you, and generosity to our neighbor. Loving God in this season and all year long, give to us the gift of a thankful heart so that we may acknowledge you as the giver of all that is good in our lives. We pray for all those known to us, those in our parish, our neighborhoods, and our hearts, that you would be with them, God, and bring love and comfort to all working in and through us. Creator God, provider of all, we bring our thanks today and we bless each other and the beauty of this world and the love that created it. We pray that it might be expressed through our lives and be a blessing to others now and always. Amen. <coughs> Coming up this week, we have our usual slate of online activities. We also um, would like to point out that we are hosting or part of hosting a service um, this week in recognition of um, baby loss and child loss, um, which is a um, difficult and traumatic thing to deal with, um, to, to state it mildly. Um, this Friday, the 15th of October at 7 p.m., we will be hosting um, a service here along with Queen's Cross uh, Church in Aberdeen and Lawrence Kirk Parish Church um, down south in Aberdeenshire. We will be hosting a service called the Wave of Light um, for Baby Loss Awareness Week. Um, so if, if that's something that, um, if that kind of service is something that um, you'd like to come and be a part of or find healing or helpful for, for yourself or for someone you know, do pass on the word for that. And hopefully that service will be one of healing and of love and of welcome and of warmth. 
and also as a reminder for um, taking part in our after church teas and coffees. Um, those of you who are staying for tea and coffee, um, head to the back and um, grab your, your tea and coffee and all of that. Again, it will be served to you either in, in the cup you've brought or in a uh, disposable compostable cup um, if you're not staying for tea or if you are staying for tea and coffee also make sure to sign your name for the track and trace so that we can keep track of everyone and keep everyone safe and if you're not staying just to manage the flow of traffic and the congestion so we're not all standing too close together for too long if you're not staying um, to head out the side door that way so let us close our worship by singing together, standing, if we are able to sing, we plow the fields and scatter.
Um, one more thing is that uh, we thank you to the flower arrangers, flower team um, who have put together these wonderful, lovely displays in the church to celebrate um, harvest. Um, there are some flowers that um, that we can give to folks uh, in our community. If you would like to take a bunch of flowers away, because there's quite a number of, of bunches of flowers, if you'd like to take a bunch away, um, either for yourself to cheer up your own homes, or if you'd like to take one um, for somebody who you know is in need, then please uh, do that, because they're... Uh, uh, because they've been used uh, in church for, for these arrangements, they'll maybe not last quite as long as when you buy them uh, completely fresh out of Tesco. So just be aware um, of that. But if you would like to take one um, with our um, as a free gift, then please, uh, please do that. So go from this place. Go and take care of our world. Don't do it in this building. Do it out in the world. Be inspired. Be challenged. And so the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be with you and all who you love and all those you find it more difficult to love this day and forevermore.